In today's episode, we are continuing the Menstrual Mondays, and today we're talking ways that you can naturally relieve your PMS symptoms. We talk about heavy periods, sleep disturbances, food intolerances that can drive PMS symptoms such as PMS migraines. Um, and we also talk about cravings and ways that you can combat cravings. We give you a lot of tips in here regarding nutrients that are important to the body and talk a lot about inflammation and things that drive inflammation, making your periods and your PMS symptoms worse. So take a listen today and we hope that this is helpful. Take some notes. If you got any questions, as always, you can reach out to us at info at fitmomlife.com. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. It is supposed to be very warm this weekend. We're going to the splash pad. How fun. We're doing Nick's. We're very fortunate. Nick's parents have a very nice in-ground pool. And so Carson's obsessed with the water. And I don't know. I haven't seen Taylor go in yet. I think his mom's taken her in a couple times. But it's uh, we're very lucky. So we're going over for Nick's brother's birthday. And so Carson's very excited. I told him this morning. Mm-hmm. We so. told Marcus, we're having a play date. You're going to see Asher. And we're going to go to the splash pad. And he's like, water park? <laughs> we drove by the water park a couple times last week. And he's just obsessed. Like, mm-hmm. he wants to go. So we're going to get season passes to the one by us. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that pans out. I need, I to, need to turn on. I need to put my spray tan, my uh, tanning on today. Okay. Question. Do you do it? Can you do it the night before, like at night and sleep in it? It says six to eight hours before you rinse. Yeah, so the one that I have, I usually do if I shower in the morning. I just put it on in the morning, and then okay. you can rinse off if Maybe you want to. Just before do it tomorrow bed. morning. Yeah. Okay. I'm just the timing of it has not worked out for me because I need like I, you know I need a good like 15 20 minutes to do it and like focus on it. Oh yeah, mine doesn't take that long. Okay, it doesn't take. Very I just long. use the mitt. Yeah, I, I bought a mitt. Yeah, yeah. You just use the mitt. Put the so or the foam or cream or whatever it is, and you just rub it all around, and I let it dry for like five minutes before I get dressed. Okay. Okay. I feel better about it now. Anybody else self-tan out there? Like I know. I just, I got my nails did. I'm very excited. I'm trying to figure out a white color and I keep trying to pick the white colors and they don't turn out white. And funny. it's very frustrating. I don't know what number funny, funny bunny, bunny is. You, I don't know what number it is. Oh, you on just the tell thing. them. So, so I went into uh, <laughs> the salon last week and I just, she's like, okay, sit over here. I'm like, cool. She's like, do you want to pick your color? I said, nope, I'm good. She goes, funny bunny again. I said, Hey, I went pink for vacation. Get off my back. <laughs> I'm going back to my funny Mine bunny. turned very like nude. So the one, it looked whiter on the little sample thing. Yeah. It was I very like frustrating. Picking colors at the nail salon is, it's overwhelming. It is. I'm like, I'm paying money for this. I don't want to pick a bad color. It's going to stand. I only do them. I don't do them every two weeks. If I did them every two weeks, I would feel a little bit less pressure because it's like, oh, I'm going to get it done again two weeks. I go every three weeks. They last. Yeah. But the only downfall of this pastime is we're doing all this yard work. And so mm. last weekend, I'm like, I just got my nails done and then we're doing all this yard work. And sometimes when I'm lifting in the garage, we have some metal plates that I use for like the tens and the fives. I'm mm. always worried I want to chip it on there. But anyways. So guys. We're back. Sorry, we had to have a conversation, obviously. Um, 
Okay, so we are talking about natural natural relief, that was hard to say, for PMS symptoms today because I think that a lot of times, even on birth control, a lot of people have pretty nasty symptoms because birth control is, although fake hormones, still hormones, and we still probably have underlying things. And so we are going to give you guys some of the big symptoms that we tend to see and what tends to drive them, um, and then in turn, what we can do about it. Yeah. So before we dive into this, I just want you guys to know, like, there's hope. I was having a conversation with a new client that started, you know, yesterday and she struggles with anxiety. And, you know, it's so nice for people to know that are coming into coaching that there is hope for things to be different, that there are natural ways that we can sort support our body not to experience these horrible symptoms. Like, I remember what my periods were like in high school. They were debilitating. They were painful. And if that was my life now, that would be very disruptive to my life. And we unfortunately know a lot of people struggle with horrible cramping, menstrual migraines, acne. Obviously, acne is not a boost to confidence. Um, And then really heavy periods. And so, you know, if you're in the workplace or you're out and about, you're always worried, like, am I bleeding through things, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so just know that there is hope, but you got to be consistent with these things. Just like, you know, if you were to do try seed cycling, for example, um, which is one way that you can support your menstrual uh, cycle. It's going to take three, four months of being consistent Mm -hmm. with that, just like it's going to take probably three or four cycles to get consistent with some of these things before you see improvement. We do see some people improve you know, earlier on, maybe a month or, you know, two months, especially if we're supplementing with magnesium and we're making some pretty drastic changes to lower inflammation in the body. But give yourself, like put this expectation on yourself of like three to six months doing things consistently before this really, really clears up. Yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about is heavy periods. So heavy periods can kind of occur at any age, obviously. Most often we see it in younger like, you know, teen years, early 20s, and then in your 40s or so again. And typically what drives it, progesterone is low compared to estrogen. So progesterone makes periods lighter. Estrogen tends to make periods heavier. And so when you are estrogen dominant in relation to progesterone levels, you tend to have heavier periods. So the balance between progesterone and estrogen is just one of the factors, but that can be a main driver is when people have estrogen dominance. So other things that can kind of drive this, fibroids, endometriosis, um, anadomyosis, which is uh, the tissue that normally lines the uterus, grows into the muscular wall of the uterus. Um, and this kind of displaced tissue continues to act normally, thickening, breaking down, and bleeding during each menstrual cycle. Um, thyroid disease, and then coagulation disorder, so like blood clotting disorder. So all of these, if present, do need to be addressed um, in addition to like general period lightning strategies. So these things, if they do not seem to help as much, you might need to go and figure out if you have something else going on. Um, So one of the big things that we're going to talk about today is mast cells. So mast cells are part of the immune system that release histamine and can cause allergies, hives, anxiety, and arguably premenstrual mood symptoms. So mast cell activation can also contribute to heavy periods because they are there are lots of mast cells in the uterine lining wall, okay? And when activated, mast cells release not just histamine, but also heparin, which is a natural blood thinner and can make periods heavier. 
And to complicate matters, there's a curious relationship between estrogen and mast cells. So in one direction, estrogen activates mast cells, and in the other direction, mast cell activation and histamine stimulate the ovaries to make more estrogen. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. We've talked a lot about how estrogen dominance can be a real big problem and cause a lot of symptoms, including heavy periods. But these mast cells, which are impacted and driven by high estrogen, then in turn dry higher, drive higher, you know, mast cell levels. And so like, it's just, it's both are making each other worse in essence. Um, so knowing all of that brings us to step one of natural treatment, which is to calm mast cells. There are lots of way to, ways to do this, including antihistamine react, uh, medication. So think like a Benadryl stuff that's going to drive uh, histamine down as well as quercetin, turmeric, probiotics, and the strategy of quitting alcohol shocker alcohol isn't good for our body yeah alcohol especially wine is extremely high in histamines Mm -hmm. and so if you have allergies hives stuff like that you do not want to be drinking wine very thankful i don't have that issue no kidding because i have a wine box coming today from thrive market (laughs) (laughs) they got me on the 20 percent off wine day the other day I was telling Becca, I was like, I just got seven bottles of natural wine for 50 bucks. But anyways, so one of the best ways, and we talked about this in episode one, um, but one of the best ways to calm mast cells is to reduce or avoid normal A1 cow's dairy, at least for a few months. And so kind of as we talked about in that first episode, the protein A1 casein, which is found in normal cow's milk, can in some people metabolize to an inflammatory peptide called BCM7, which amongst other things, can also activate mast cells. So fortunately, A1 casein doesn't do that to everybody, only in about one of three individuals. So again, this is going to be very person independent. You have to test you know, and see how you do taking dairy out for a few months. These things are not an overnight fix, right? Like a lot of people, especially from a gluten perspective, remove gluten for like a week and think, wow, I didn't notice a difference. Well, gluten can stay in your body for six months, right? So you need to give these things time. So, you know, if you are unlucky and you are sensitive to dairy, especially think about when you were a child, if you had reincurring infections such as tonsillitis or ear infection, that can be an indication that you are sensitive uh, to this A1 casein because of that BCM7. Um, in normal cow's milks, it can have a negative effect on our immune system. So think back to when you were a kid, that negative effect made you more vulnerable to reoccurrent infections. You probably outgrew it or think that you, you know, have outgrown it and you don't have an issue. But the question lies here, how would you feel if you were totally off of dairy for two to three months? Would you notice an impact here? You got to give yourself the chance to try those things. And the good thing is, there's a lot of you know alternatives out there. Um, you can also look at sources that do not contain A1 casein, and that is usually fine for periods. So these things would include goat or sheep dairy, as well as Jersey cow dairy. So Becca talked about that, uh, again, in the first uh, podcast episode, just how the cows are raised and the difference here between A1, A2. Um, and then we always get this question regarding butter. So butter is also fine because it does not have casein. So most people who are sensitive to dairy actually tolerate butter just fine. Um, and then obviously there's all of the plant-based options such as coconut, soy, or almond milk, macadamia nut milk, all of those things, you know, out there, all of those would be fine. So 
this is, you know, just something for you to look into. And and then the good news here is there's a lot of other dairy-free options, you know, regarding ice cream or other treats. One thing though that I will say, if you are sensitive to dairy, you can try the goat milk or sheep's milk cheese, but I would not recommend some of those plant-based cheeses, right? There's a lot of artificial ingredients in there. They are fake products essentially, right? Because it's not natural. And what we have seen in our practice is that there are a lot of people who are sensitive to those things in regards to digestion and can cause a lot of digestive distress in terms of like bloating, gas, or diarrhea. Yeah. So dairy-free might be really helpful. Um, If not, there are some other things. Iron can be really helpful as well. So you probably know that heavy periods can cause iron deficiency. Like if you have a really, really heavy flow, people worry about, am I losing too much blood? But it can actually be the opposite too. So iron iron deficiencies can actually make periods heavier. That's why it is important to get your iron tested for, you know, at least yearly when you do your annual tests. Hopefully everyone's at least taking advantage of like their annual tests with their OB or with their primary and asking, making sure that you are getting like serum ferritin um, and other iron markers. And then if you are deficient, supplement with iron. It can help lighten the periods. Um, ideally, you're using like a chelated iron, which can be a little bit more gentle um, because other forms can cause some digestive stress. But Ibuprofen is also helpful, guys. Um, it's another way to reduce menstrual flow. So we don't recommend, obviously, taking you know NSAIDs frequently, um, but if you need to take it, you know, a few days before your cycle, or you know, the one to two days before your cycle, and during the first couple of days of your cycle, that would be fine. Um, and then finally, zinc. Zinc is kind of like a master mineral for female health and for female reproductive health. So it can lower prostaglandins and it can calm mast cells. Okay. And it can be helpful when there's period pain because zinc also improves period pain. So the therapeutic dose is 30 milligrams throughout all days of the month, not just during the flow. Um, Obviously, please always take zinc with food because zinc on an empty stomach can actually make you sick. Um, I take zinc every day. That's that's Mm -hmm. one thing that I've actually reintroduced. And since we went through that whole cycle of like being sick for like three months straight. I've been on zinc every single day. Um, and my whole family just got sick and I didn't. So not that I'm happy that my family's sick, but I'm happy I'm not. Zinc has become one of my favorites. I actually just got a zinc B1, B6 complex. So, um, you know, one thing that I just want to touch on before we move into migraines Regarding iron, we do get a lot of questions about this. My niece asked me about this actually a couple weeks ago when she was here. And as practitioners, we do not dose iron at all. You need to speak with your doctor about this. You need to get your iron levels checked. And obviously, you know, as Becca mentioned, looking at ferritin, which is the storage of iron in the body, one of the very, very common symptoms of low ferritin is extreme fatigue. So if you're not getting that in your annual panel, if you're concerned about it, talk to your doctor. If you've ever had any type of anemia, you should be getting this checked regularly and you would want to chat with them about what is the correct dose for you. But please do not go out and just start dosing iron yourself because you heard us talk about gentle, you know, chelated iron. No, definitely not. (laughs) Do not do that. Okay. So let's talk about migraines. So menstrual migraines we know are really, really common um, and they are more common with high fluctuating estrogen and relatively low progesterone. So this is 
very common for women during times of menopause. Um, and that is why, you know, what we see with a lot of our peri to post menopause ladies in ages 40 to 55 is a need to remove some of these histamine foods, re- calm down uh, the immune system, remove anything that is causing inflammation and, um, you know, get digestive issues, all of these things in the body, because that inflammation transcends uh, into our cycles to make things worse. So as we talked about in the first or second episode, when you are starting to get your period and you are going to bleed, you already have some inflammation going on in your uterus. So if you have chronic levels of inflammation in the body, that's just going to be exacerbated around your period. So high fluctuating estrogen promotes migraines by stimulating immune cells to produce more prostaglandins and histamine again. And secondly, by leading to steep estrogen withdrawal, which disrupts our neurotransmitters, serotonin and glutamate. So by reducing glutamate and calming down the brain, progesterone can help prevent menstrual migraines. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things you can do here naturally, as I just mentioned, but magnesium, very, very important. Uh, Dr. Bryden, Dr. Brighton, um, both of those doctors talk a lot about high doses of magnesium for patients that are experiencing severe PMS issues. They will go up to about 2000 milligrams with magnesium for people that have you know, really extreme symptoms for symptom management. Obviously, the goal is to, you know, keep magnesium levels stable, also to include magnesium foods in your diet. But we have to look at, you know, again, multiple things across the board. It's not just one thing. But magnesium, the reason why this is so important is it sheltered uh, neurons from glutamate, which can reduce the frequency and severity of migraines. Magnesium also stabilizes stabilizes our serotonin receptors, it reduces inflammation, and it prevents the release of substance P, which is a pain-promoting neurotransmitter. It also combines well with taurine, which is a calming amino acid, and that can also help prevent migraines. Mm -hmm. So I believe every single person should be taking magnesium. We like Magwell, magnesium, um, glycinate is one of our other favorites, but Magwell is kind of a blend. Mm -hmm. The reason I like the magnesium uh, glycinate solo is because when somebody is really experiencing severe symptoms, what we don't want is higher levels of magnesium citrate because that's going to cause some digestive issues. That's going to pull more water into your bowels. It can lead to loose stools or diarrhea. And the Magwell, while it's a really, really great product, it does have citrate in there. So we have to be cautious with you know dosing that uh, too much. So if you're somebody who is not taking magnesium, we would recommend one of those uh, products. We generally have our girls start with three capsules a day. It's about 360 milligrams. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can also do a bioidentical um, progesterone. So the, the hard thing about birth control is birth control uses progestins. Progestin does not have the same migraine reducing effect as progesterone, which is what our body should be creating if we're not on birth control. So you can, if they're really bad, you can look into a bioidentical progesterone pill and do that two weeks leading into the period. Riboflavin or vitamin B2, also known as vitamin B2, um, may also help to prevent migraines and works by kind of normalizing the production of serotonin and improving the function of the MTHFR enzyme, which has been linked to migraines. Um, Melatonin actually reduces inflammation and can work as well. Gluten-free diets. So there is research that shows gluten-free diet can eliminate migraines in 89% of individuals in that study. That is insane. I would take those odds. 
89% of people in this study going on a gluten-free diet were able to eliminate their migraines. So gluten sensitivity can cause high glutamate by triggering an autoimmune reaction against the enzyme. So that converts glutamate to GABA. So remove the gluten, you might be surprised. And finally, iron supplements can be very helpful, but only for postmenstrual migraines or menstrual migraines, which are usually caused by iron deficiency anemia. So again, iron, talk to your doctor, get tested. Do not supplement with iron until you are sure that you have an actual iron deficiency shown within blood work and you have the symptoms that are necessary for iron. Um, and hormonal, just note, hormonal birth control can actually worsen migraines. So all types of hormonal birth control can worsen migraines and estrogen pills, which, you know, the if you have a um, combination birth control, so that means estrogen and per, uh, progestin, estrogen pills carry a significant stroke risk for women with migraines. So be very careful. If you experience migraines really bad, um, you want to eliminate obviously all things that might cause like actual real health issues. Um, so you don't want to be on a combination birth control. If you are on a birth control, you would want to be on a progestin only like the mini pill. But isn't the answer to go on birth control to get rid of the menstrual migraines? Always. <laughs> it's wild. Infor I informed consent, people. Informed consent. That is what we are about. That is why we are here. That is why we are doing this. And I just want to say regarding the gluten-free products, right? A lot of people are like, well, I don't have any digestive issues. I don't have celiac disease, or I got this test and it said that I'm not sensitive to gluten. There can be non-celiac sensitivity to gluten. And Becca and I have talked about this before. The way that gluten is created and made here in the US is much different than it is in other countries. And that is why a lot of individuals walk around with chronic underlying inflammation. Plus, you have to look at where all the gluten products are coming in from, right? It's a lot of processed foods. And so that in and of itself, you combine gluten now with other preservatives, artificial ingredients, painted on fibers and other you know, garbage and processed food, things are not going to improve. And so very simply, if you want to get off of gluten, don't just try to go out and say, well, I got this gluten-free bread. That's you know enough for me. Start eating more one-ingredient whole foods, potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, quinoa, amaranth, all of those things are naturally gluten-free. And so it's really not challenging to live a gluten-free lifestyle. You just have to do your due diligence to educate yourself a little bit and start making some of these swaps. And again, give yourself a couple months here, see how you feel. So let's talk about mood swings. Anybody out there feel like you want to kill somebody the week before your period starts? Or you just find that you're more agitated and everything's under your skin, but you don't even really know why. And then you look at your period tracker and you're like, well, shit, my period's coming soon. So there's a lot more to treating, you know, our mood symptoms around premenstrual, um, around our, you know, cycle than just calcium, the pill or antidepressants. So there's alternative strategies that can be, you know, used, including making sure that we're getting good levels of iodine, magnesium, vitamin B6, chaseberry or Vitex can also help. That's just a natural uh, herbal supplement that you could use. As Becca mentioned, progesterone and then natural antihistamine approach, uh, which we'll talk about in terms of removing histamines. But different strategies work for different women because there are a lot of variables, including that mast cell activation, what you're sensitive to, also your nutrition uh, and deficiencies that you might be experiencing. And deficiencies can come in for several reasons, right? The number one reason is that we lack diversity in our diets. The second thing I would say is that people lack colors in their diet. You buy the same 10 to 15 foods 
I know I've been guilty of that at times, right? Or you're not buying a lot of fresh produce. We're missing out a lot of these nutrients. The third reason I would say is you're doing like a keto diet or you've decided to eliminate an entire food group here, whether it's vegan or you know keto, and therefore you are missing out on a lot of these deficiencies. And then a really common thing that we see is low stomach acid. So we might ingest the best food, right? We might ingest a lot of colors and variety, but are we actually digesting it and absorbing it? Another reason can be high levels of prolactin. And then, as I just mentioned, just the overall state of your digestive system and your gut. So mood symptoms on the pill are not premenstrual symptoms because, you know, pill bleeds are not periods and contraceptive drugs are not hormones. They are not our real hormones. So instead, mood symptoms on the pill are usually side effects of the actual contraceptive drug that you are taking. So mood symptoms on the hormonal IUD can be true premenstrual symptoms because it is possible to have natural menstrual cycles on the hormonal IUD, but can also be side effects of the contraceptive drug, which is released by the IUD. So just kind of a side note here, when you have these crazy mood swings on your cycle, it's actually probably more of a side effect of the drug that you are taking with the birth control. And so we, um, I actually saw a statistic the other day, I believe 28, you are 28% more likely to be going on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication when you take the birth control pill because the birth control pill alters our brain function. It alters neurotransmitter production. It alters a lot of things that can drive people. I've, I've heard many times people that have said, I felt suicidal when I was on the birth control pill. And it is because there is that big of a disruption from this birth control drug that you are taking. So mm. certain people are more sensitive, obviously, than others. Other people are totally fine on it. But if you feel like you know, you're kind of moody since you started taking it or your mood shifted, it might be likely that it is the pill driving it. There is also a huge known fact in you know our health world, you actually become attracted to different types of people. I was just going to say. When you are on the birth control yeah. pill. So a lot of people come off of it at some point in life and find they are no longer attracted to their now husband, potentially. Like crazy. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Could you imagine? I could not imagine that. Oh my gosh. Or like just their their sex drive is totally shifted and they yeah. no longer want to you know, be intimate with that person. It is just wild. You guys just look it up. Like the yeah. Google machine has information out there that I'm sure you can find shitty articles. I'm sure you can find some legit articles, right? Uh, try to get a trusted source. But it is very well known in our mm -hmm. world that uh, after you come off some of these medications, you know, yeah. you are basically a different person. Yep. Yeah. So again, we talked about histamines earlier. Consider an antihistamine approach. So mast cell activation and histamine can play a major role in premenstrual mood symptoms. Other symptoms of high histamine include hives, headaches, brain fog, like I discussed. So you can try an antihistamine medication again. Um, so something that obviously, you know, look for drowsy, non-drowsy. Um, but if it does help, the next step is to try, I'm sorry, if that doesn't help, the next step is to try like potentially histamine reducing natural supplements like quercetin, um, you know, things we discussed earlier in terms of what you can actually like pill forms that you can take to help reduce the histamine reaction. So if you notice that this over-the-counter drug helps, okay, let's switch to a more natural form um, so that we're not just taking, you know, Benadryl or other histamine drugs to, or antihistamine drugs to help solve this problem. Um, we also already talked about the histamine reducing dietary strategy of it removing A1 cow dairy um, and the potential mood enhancing effect 
of A1 caseins is actually currently being trialed in terms of a research study. So you can also look into iodine. Iodine's a tricky one though. Iodine, you do have to be kind of careful um, because it can impact some other parts of the body. It can impact thyroid. It can impact, you know, breast pain. Um, So iodine is another one kind of like iron that you don't just want to blindly take. Yeah. And if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, this is not something that you would want to take. Um, And we can link out an article about iodine safety as well. This would be something that I would speak with your doctor about directly, Mm -hmm. just like iron. So other things that we can do, as we've already mentioned, is uh, magnesium, taurine, and vitamin B6. All three of these nutrients can improve menstrual mood symptoms, and they work by reducing inflammation again, and therefore boosting levels of the calming neurotransmitter GABA. Vitamin B6 can also reduce histamine. And the other piece here is that with your vitamin B6, you don't want to take too much of it because it could cause nerve damage. So like I mentioned, I just got the B1, B6, Zinc by Pure Encapsulation. Uh, I believe that is the brand and loving it so far. My husband's taking it. Uh, It's actually can help for hair loss. Mm. Um, And I am also uh, taking it just for uh, female health. So very interesting. Yeah. So also understanding progesterone. So progesterone, we've talked, I mean, if you've been listening to this series, hopefully you kind of understand a little bit about how progesterone works and why progesterone is so important and why being on a hormonal birth control that you shut down that and in turn are getting progestin can be kind of damaging. Progesterone is usually soothing to mood. And so it can sometimes cause anxiety. Um, So that's true for endogenous progesterone, the progesterone we make, as well as progesterone supplements. So if you're taking like a HRT Um, pill, cream, something like that. So some women have a negative mood reaction to the normal drop in progesterone and estrogen at the end of a natural menstrual cycle. So symptoms from progesterone withdrawal can be relieved by taking a natural progesterone cream or capsule. Like we talked about with menstrual migraines, that is especially true. A few women do have a negative mood reaction to the rise in progesterone at the beginning of the luteal phase. So this is like a progesterone sensitivity and can be relieved by stabilizing GABA receptors, support gut health, supplement progesterone at a slightly higher dose. Um, So the progestins of birth control often cause mood side effects, but they are the drug side effects like I talked about because progesterones are not progesterone. So in terms of other strategies for this, the nervous system is very complex it's, it's, it is what our body, it's our body's perception of stress, essentially. There are many, many factors in terms of mood symptoms. So there actually was a recent study that found women benefit from access to green space. Another study linked premenstrual mood sy- symptoms to intestinal permeability and gram-negative bacteria. So that is like the harmful bacteria that can override the good bacteria in the gut and create a poor situation in the gut. And also possible role of post-traumatic stress disorder, like a PTSD. So iron and zinc are very important in managing a lot of this. But at the end of the day, guys, general underlying health, including your nutritional status. Are you eating enough food? Are you, you know, eating enough nutrient-dense food? Not just calories, but calories that are actually nourishing your body. Do you have good gut health? I promise you, if you have good, very good overall general health, you likely do not struggle with PMS symptoms unless it's an underlying issue like endometriosis, fibroids, cysts on the ovaries, things like that. And so most people that have really great health don't deal with a lot of menstrual symptoms. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, 
working on my gut health and all the things that I've done over the years, as well as removing different toxins in my life, being off birth control, I've mentioned this before, I have no acne, I have no cramps, I have no headaches, I have mm-hmm. basically nothing. I mean, sure, I feel a little bit of distension in my lower belly, you could kind of call that bloating, but that's more, again, of the swelling where it's kind of getting hard and I can feel that. Um, and so kind of as we talked about on Friday, on Friday Fire, it's the accumulation of all of these things in our life that makes these things worse. So when we talk about endotoxins that drive estrogen dominance and can cause, you know, hormonal imbalance, start taking a look at your life and seeing, you know, what are the things you can swap out? Stop using plastics and, you know, cooking with crappy pans and all those types of things, aluminum foil, stuff like that. Start making swaps here to either glassware, I love my stainless steel cup for my water. Um, I do parchment paper instead of aluminum foil. Like there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, And then I think it's important to say like, take care of your skin with good quality products. And if you do that, you're not going to have a lot of these issues. Um, If you are struggling with digestive symptoms, we got to fix that first. That is one of the things that we look at as a root cause issue. So there's generally two pillars that I always see with clients. One is digestive issues that are driving dysfunction and or blood sugar. Most of the time they come hand in hand. So if we can fix your gut and we can you know, actually get you absorbing the nutrients from your foods, you don't need to be on 18 different supplements. You should not be on 18 different supplements. We have clients that start with us all the time that give us a laundry list of supplements that they're on because they're trying to band-aid symptoms. It does not matter. If you're not absorbing things, you're also not absorbing those supplements that you're taking mm-hmm. if your gut is not in a good state. So we, again, have to fix the underlying root cause to these things. Your body will find function in a way that it is supposed to if you nourish it with the right foods and you start removing or swapping out some of these things that are driving the chronic underlying inflammation that's in turn driving a lot of these hormonal imbalances. And so again, guys, this is all about the more that you know, the better that you can do because now you have the education. So there's really no excuse right? Mm-hmm. Um, try these things. Reach out to us if you need help with this. We have a lot of ladies. Like I'm, I'm thinking about Sarah, one of our clients. She came in with horrible digestive issues, really, really bad acne. And now she's getting her periods. Most of the time she doesn't even um, you know, know that it's coming. A couple of months ago, she's like, yeah, it was like a period I've never had before in my life. But she did notice this past month when she brought some gluten back in that made her period worse, right? And so it's all about learning your body, what nutrients work well for you and taking care of your gut so that you can actually absorb the nutrients that you are consuming. Yep. So the last thing we're going to talk about here is hormonal sleep problems. Um, so premenstrual sleep problems are caused by a few things. That steep drop in est- or progesterone in the end of the cycle. So when you're like leading into your next period, there's a drop in progesterone. There's a sudden kind of rise in estrogen that can often have an issue in terms of like your sleep. Hypersensitivity to the ups and downs of progesterone and then histamine and mast cell activation. So this can happen. I mean, like, let's talk perimenopause. So perimenopause sleep problems are usually caused by losing progesterone, which results in a recalibration of the brain and the stress response system. So perimenopause can also be a time that mast cell activation and high histamine worsens, um, and that in turn worsens sleep. So menopausal sleep problems are caused by losing both progesterone and estrogen, because after menopause, that you know day of 12 months since your last period, you kind of flatline on the hormones, and your adrenals make some amounts of them, but not very much. And so this loss in both of them results in changes to the part of the brain that controls circadian rhythm. 
Losing estrogen can cause sleep and maintenance insomnia, which means waking at 2 or 3 a.m. Fortunately, the brain can adapt to low estrogen and then sleep usually gets back to normal. So if we are having some of these issues, usually sleep enhancing techniques include exercising daily, getting outside in the sun more often, you guys, especially first thing in the morning. Try to get your lights, your eyes some sunlight if you can for at least 20 to 30 minutes as soon as you can in the day. Sleep in a dark room. All of those things play a huge role in regulating your circadian rhythm, eating on a normal, consistent schedule, not eating too close to bedtime, not eating erratically, not eating sugar too close to bedtime. All of those things can help. You can also try doing some things like GABA, I'm sorry, um, GABA or other sleep supplements that can kind of calm those receptors in the brain before bed. Magnesium, taurine, B6, we all just talked about those for almost all of these symptoms. Um, Those can always help. And then a a couple of grams of glycine at bedtime is also safe, very effective. Um, If you suffer from headaches or other signs of these mast cell activation or high estimine, like if you are saying yes to all of these symptoms, look to histamine regulation. You need to understand how those are reacting in the body. And a lot of people are sensitive to them and they don't realize it. And then you can consider hormone treatment. You know, there's always the option of like a bioidentical progesterone capsule. Um, but look to fixing your life first. Do not just go to HRT because it likely won't work very well if you aren't doing underlying stuff. Yep. It's going to be the same thing that we've yep. been talking about. Try to band-aid the real issue and then you're upset because you spent all this money on HRT and nothing changed. Mm. You might feel a little bit better, but you're still struggling with some of the symptoms. So mm. let's talk about cravings. Mm. Who wants some ice cream, some chocolate, some cookies? PMS cravings, man. I have to eat all of the chocolate in my house around my cycle. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about this. We're going to talk about it in two parts. Number one, this is usually driven by a magnesium deficiency can be, you know, that you are eating a highly processed diet and maybe you're under eating and you're just not getting a lot of magnesium rich foods in and you're not supplementing with it. So magnesium deficiency, we've talked about this before in other podcasts. Uh, I can link it in the show notes, but it's basically what your cravings mean. Um, So you might need magnesium. Uh, The other thing that I would say is I think that there is definitely a mental component here. So if you're somebody who tracks your cycle and you know that your cycle is coming and you've had or heard about, you know, some of these cravings for salt or sugar around your cycle, you can also psych yourself into thinking that, you know, you're craving it or you just start thinking about it and you have to get it. Um, So mental component (laughs) definitely plays Mm -hmm. a big role. Uh, And then when you're not eating enough, right, and you're not eating enough protein. So This is kind of generalized even outside of PMS. If you are not eating enough and you are not eating enough protein, your body is going to signal you to search for more food because it's looking for these nutrients. There's a theory called protein leverage theory. We've talked about this before. If you're not eating enough protein, you will not feel satisfied and satiated. And therefore your body is you know, sending you signals via cravings because it's asking for more nutrients, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, things like that. And then if you're not eating enough in general, what happens? We get this late night snacking syndrome. Well, that can all be fixed if we're eating enough and we're eating adequate amounts You know, during the day. We're getting three main meals, maybe one or two snacks. But if you're somebody right now is trying to do like 1,100, 1,200 calories, and then all of a sudden you find yourself face planting into the Thin Mints at 11 o'clock at night, look to your day. Mm-hmm. I would say too, if you're trying to fast, intermittent fasting, I've seen that a lot with ladies where they're trying to you know, skip breakfast and start eating at 11 or 12 o'clock, but then late night, they want all the things. They want all the carbs. They want all the sugar, all the salt. So 
mm-hmm. all of those things come to play in terms of your cravings. Yep, absolutely. So hopefully this was helpful if you're dealing with some, you know, PMS symptoms and you're struggling and every cycle it's, you know, the same story. Start looking to what you can do. We gave you guys a lot of things here. I think the bottom line for a lot of this is look to your general health maybe some histamine situations. You can always Google what are high histamine foods, look at eliminating those, look at eliminating inflammatory processed, fried foods, lots of sugar can make these things a lot worse. So just kind of look to your diet, look to your stress, look to all the things, the underlying factors. And then if you're really trying to do all of those things, still experience them, maybe you need some support. Maybe you've been under eating for a long time and it's caused a lot of nutrient deficiencies. And so as you work on eating more, we try to maybe increase you know, magnesium levels, B6 supplements, and some other things that can support naturally as you're trying to replenish the body stores. So hopefully this has been helpful and hopefully you're liking the series. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.